Good morning, Hope Church. How is everyone today? Hey, it's summer out. Yeah. It's never going to go away. It's never going to snow. Don't worry about it. We're all good. Yeah, you believe that? Probably not. Listen, I'm really excited to be with you guys this morning, um, but I want to check in with you to see how observant you guys are. So how many when you came in today noticed something different? Anybody? There's a few people. What? Ah, yes, yes, we have the Hope Church vision and mission statements on the wall. So next time I ask you guys what's our mission statement, I'm going to see heads going like this to try and figure out which side it's on, right? Ah, you guys don't need these things. You have these memorized already, right? Well, it is not a coincidence that those are up on the wall during this series. It is actually quite intentional. Because as we continue in our series, Made for Mission, it seems very reasonable that we would be very familiar with the mission of Hope Church. Now, just to review, and I need all the eyes coming straight at me, what is our mission? Our mission is to honor God by loving our neighbors, sharing the gospel, and caring. For, oh, it's on the screen. Yeah, it was easy. But you know, I want you guys to understand that this is not something that we just blurted out one day. This is the result of prayerful consideration on the part of the steering team some three plus years ago. And we feel very strongly that this embodies much of what Jesus calls us to. You know, we honor God, right? We honor God because we love Him. First greatest command. We honor God, and we do that by what's the second greatest command? Love others, right? So we love our neighbors. We honor God by loving others. And of course, we honor God by sharing the gospel. That's the Great Commission. That's our command in this world. And then we honor God by caring for each other. By caring for the members of our family here at Hope Church. And that is the kind of community that we're building here. We're building a family. We share life together. We do life together. We go through life's trials together. We break bread together. We fellowship. And that's exactly what we're going to do after the service today. So hurry up, preacher. Let's go, right? There's food. But you know, if we are true to our mission statement, then we will see our vision, we will see that come to fruition. Our vision is what we want to see as a result of our mission. And our vision is to see lives changed, right? Because Hope Church cares. And it's been, it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing because we have seen a lot of that to this point. And I believe that God has much, much more for us in the future. And it's going to be awesome to see the transformation that we see. And, and friends, honestly, this is the purpose behind this series. We are made for mission. If you were with us in week one, we learned that we were called. We are all called to mission by Jesus. Doesn't matter who you are, 
Doesn't matter what's in your past, right? Matthew, tax collector, sinner. Jesus calls us all the same way. And He has an amazing plan for each one of our lives. We are called to mission. Last week we began to explore this question of what's my mission? And we came to understand that our mission is Jesus' mission. We follow in His footsteps. We continue the work that He began. And this, friends, is our priority. This is number one. Jesus is number one. And we must remain laser-focused on our mission and not let the distractions of the world pull us away from what it is we're here to do. Well, today, we're going to look at the question, what's my message? Okay, I'm on mission, right? I'm following Jesus. I'm following after Him. Now what? What do I say? How do I act while I'm on this mission? And friends, if you consider yourself a Christian, this cuts to the very heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're not a Christian, you know, and maybe, maybe you're here today, maybe you're just sort of kind of, you know, kicking the tires on this whole God church thing, that's cool. That's totally cool. We're so glad that you're here. And we hope that you'll stay afterwards and have some lunch with us. Let's talk. Let's get to know each other. But what we want you to know is that we do what we do because Jesus loves us. And He loves you. And He loves you so much that He died on a cross to save you from your sin and give you life in this world and life for all eternity. So, where do we look to answer this question, what's my mission? Not on the walls, I can tell you that. We look to the Word of God, right? And who better than Jesus to help us answer this important question? So we're going to look to the Gospel of Luke again this morning. We looked at Luke chapter 9 last week. This week we're going to look at an interesting story from Luke chapter 8, so just a little bit earlier in Jesus' ministry. So if you want to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, we're going to look at the story that we see between verses 26 and 39. And what we're going to see here is we're going to see Jesus on mission. And since Jesus' mission is our mission, we're going to find some things in these verses that we can emulate, that we can copy. And we're also going to see that Jesus makes it clear how we are to respond to the grace and love of God. Now, you know me, I always like context. So as a bit of context, like I said, this is a little bit earlier than the chapter that we looked at last week. So this is a little bit earlier in Jesus' ministry on earth. And at the beginning of chapter 8, we see that Jesus is going through the cities and villages. And he's preaching the gospel, the good news of the gospel, and he's healing and he's performing miracles. And he's doing this in the region of Galilee. Now this is important because Galilee 
this is friendly territory. You know, these are mostly Jewish settlements. So Jesus is teaching in this area, and he's using parables. Jesus used to like to teach using parables. And the disciples are hearing these parables, and sometimes they're just not getting it. And you see one of the parables earlier on in chapter 8, and, and the disciples are not getting it, saying, what do you mean when you say this? So they're kind of a little unclear on what Jesus is teaching, but Jesus then goes on to explain the meaning of the parable to the disciples. Then they get into a boat, and they start to sail across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus falls asleep. You guys may know the story, but if you don't, a tremendous storm whips up, and the disciples, they're like freaking out, right? Because they think they're going to die. And here's Jesus sleeping. But Jesus wakes up, and what does he do? He calms the storm. And the disciples are like, who is this guy that even the wind and the waves obey him? So they're still not clear on who this Jesus guy is. They're not quite getting some of his parables. They're seeing what he's doing and they're wondering who he is. So there's a little bit of confusion. But Jesus is going to teach him some very important stuff. And we pick up the story at verse 26. Verse 26, Luke writes this. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. And I just want to stop and make one really quick point here because it says they sailed across the lake from Galilee, from this very friendly Jewish territory, right? And what they sailed to is enemy territory. They sailed right into enemy territory. This is Gentile area. And young Jewish men, they typically did not cross the lake to that area. And then in verse 27, it says, When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs, in other words, in the cemetery. And I want you to imagine for just a minute how the disciples felt at this point. You know, they get off the boat here in this, this Gentile, you know, foreign territory, and the first guy they meet is this, you know, maniac crazy guy. And actually, Mark goes into a lot more detail in describing this man in his version of this story in the Gospel of Mark. There he says, this man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him night and day among the tombs and in the hills. He would cry out and cut himself with stones. So this creates really an interesting mental picture for us of this gentleman, right? And if you have this mental picture in your mind, think about how the disciples were feeling at that point. Think about how the disciples are feeling. And I want you to remember that most scholars agree that the disciples were probably in their mid to late teens. 
You know, when I picture the disciples, in my mind, you know, I went to like mid-30s or 30-ish or something like that. But these guys are doing here. Get me out of here. I'm not supposed to be here. But that's not how Jesus rolls, right? And Jesus is going to teach his disciples and he's going to teach us about how to relate to others. So we read on. It says, When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Now I want you to put yourself in this guy's shoes for a minute. Imagine what his life has been like. You know, people shunning him, casting him out of society, forced to live in a cemetery. More than once he'd been chained in a place that surrounds him with death. You think this guy felt as though he had anything to look forward to? His past experience would have told him that more abuse was on the way. He was rejected. He was isolated. He was afraid. He was lonely. No wonder he asked the question, what do you want with me? What, more, more torture? More condemnation? More alienation? You ever find yourself feeling that way? I mean, maybe you're not running around naked in a cemetery. But... I know that sometimes we feel condemned. We feel isolated. We feel alone. Tortured. Afraid. And I want you to look at the way Jesus responds to this man. Because this speaks volumes about the love that he has for each of us. And he shows us how we are to relate to an unbelieving world. Verse 30, Jesus asked him, what is your name? Jesus wants to know this guy's name? He wants to know him? Yes, he does. He wants to foster a relationship with him. Jesus is not looking to beat this man over the head with information. He just wants to meet him where he is and get to know him. He wants to know who he is. Now friends, does that sound like something we can do? Absolutely. Yes, we want to be ready to share the gospel at any given moment. But isn't it easier to talk to someone that you know? I mean, how hard is it to say, What's your name? Where are you from? Now, I'm not saying that if you see some crazy maniac running around naked in the cemetery that you go and hug him. not saying that. But the point is this. Jesus shows us that a relationship 
is essential to helping someone. It's an important step. And the man's response, man's response is quite interesting. The end of verse 30. Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. Into the abyss. So the man is so controlled by the demons that he doesn't even offer up his real name. We can be pretty sure that Legion was not his real name. But he'd been in this state so long, so long, that he'd lost his identity. You think that happens to people today? Again, maybe not to the degree we see here. Maybe. But, is it possible that this world seems so hopeless and that someone could be so lost that they forget who they are and they label themselves worthless, ugly, no good, Sadly, I'm afraid it happens more than we think because people tend to keep that inside. Friends, our mission is to love people, right? Love our neighbors and keep reminding them of their value to God. And they are valuable to God. Every single person is loved by God. Even a maniac running around naked in a cemetery. Let's keep going because we have a little bit more to go. And there's more to learn. Verse 32 says, A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep embankment to the lake and was drowned. So there's two things, two things that we see on display here. Number one, we see Jesus' power over demons. And Jesus has amazing power over demons. This is important, and we've seen it throughout Jesus' ministry. But as important, as important, Jesus illustrates for us the true intention of the demons. The true intention of of the demons was to destroy the man just as they destroyed the pigs. Now, because man is made in the image of God, the demons don't have the same kind of sway over man as they do over pigs, but their goal is the same. Their goal is destruction. Their desire, like their leader Satan, is to bring destruction. In John chapter 10, Jesus tells us the thief, Satan, demons, only come to destroy and and kill and steal. I have come that they may have life, that you may have life and have it to the full. The true intention of the demons was on full display. So the pigs are destroyed. 
And, and, you know, this gets some people riled up. Verse 34, it says, When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. So salvation came to this demon-possessed man. And the salvation of this man was evidenced by a number of things. First and foremost, the drowning of the pigs, right? The demons left him, went into the pigs, the pigs drowned. Also, now the man is sitting at Jesus' feet. And not running around the cemetery like a maniac. He's sitting at Jesus' feet. We also see that he now has clothes on as opposed to being naked. And it says that he's now in his right mind and not a demon-possessed crazy man any longer. And the people see this and they're freaked out, right? They're afraid. They're seemingly more afraid of this sane man than they were of the crazy one. Verse 36 tells us that those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes said, asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. Now, a couple of really curious responses here in my mind the first curious response is the response of the people. I mean, here's, here's this guy who can exercise demons, right? He, he can perform miracles. He can heal people. They've seen it. They've heard about it. They may have even heard about Jesus before he came over there. Yet they just want him gone. They want him out of there. They didn't seem to mind having this demon-possessed guy around, but they didn't want Jesus. So they asked him to leave. And he did. That's pretty curious too, right? He left. He didn't put up any kind of an argument. He didn't try to convince the crowd that he, that he should stay. He just left. You know, he could have performed you know, some great miracle, right? He could have brought the pigs back from the water. Could have done something miraculous that would have convinced the people to allow him to stay but he didn't. And, and, and there's a point that Jesus is making here. And he's making it. He made it for his disciples. He's making it for us too. See, Jesus came all the way across the Sea of Galilee. All for this one crazy demon-possessed man. Remember we said earlier that the disciples, they, they, they'd almost died in a storm on the way over, yet Jesus thought so much of this one soul that He made the trip. Jesus made the effort to get to Him. He made the effort to talk to Him. He made the effort to start a relationship with Him. And in the end, help Him. Friends, Jesus knew the man 
was worth it. You are worth it. Trying to muster up the courage to talk to you, they are worth it. And the story finishes in verses 38 and 39. It says, The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. So here's this guy who just a few minutes ago was afraid of Jesus, wondering, you know, what do you want with me? And now he's begging to go with Jesus. He wants to go on mission with him. He wants to follow after him. He wants to be a disciple. Why? Why? Because of the amazing thing that Jesus had done for him. But Jesus says no. And this is interesting, right? Because the crowds asked him to go, and he said, yeah, sure. But this man begs to go with him, and Jesus says no. You ever feel like you have prayers that are answered that way? Should be a yes, but it's a no. Should be a no, but it's a yes. There's a lesson in there. But very often, and in this case, Jesus does tell the man why he said no. He told him no because he needed him right there on mission, right where he was at. This man, healed of his demons, could be a light to the people in a way that Jesus or the disciples just could not. Jesus says, I need you here. I need you you here telling people about the great things that God has done for you. And we see that the man is obedient to this command. And make no mistake, friends, this is a command from Jesus. And there's a lesson here, friends. There's a lesson. Do not miss this. Do not miss this. This is our mission. This is our message. Our job is to share with others all that God has done for us. Has God been good? Amen. God has been amazing. He is so good. And what's really interesting here, friends, is it doesn't matter how long you've been a follower of Jesus. This guy had been a Christian for what? Maybe an hour? Right? But Jesus sends him out on mission. He sends him out with a message. He doesn't say, wait until you get more training. You know, or wait until you you have all the answers to all the questions. That's not what he says. He says, go. Tell everyone what God has done for you. We all have a story. I know it. I know it. Maybe not as dramatic as the demon-possessed man. Maybe. Maybe it is. But I know that we can all share what Jesus has meant to us in our lives. As Christians, as Christians, we've all had an amazing encounter with the God of the cosmos. 
And that encounter has changed us. That encounter has changed what we live for. It's changed us forever. We can't keep something that amazing to ourselves. We have to share it with others. Friends, I'm glad to share what God's done in my life. I once was lost. I once was lost in sin and darkness. Yet Jesus, because He loves me, because He loves me, He saved me. He saved me from my sin. He saved me from that darkness. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind. I was blind to my sin. I was blind to the darkness. I was blind to my need for a Savior. Yet Jesus opened my eyes. He saved me. He saved me. And He's given me a purpose. And He's given me life in this world. And friends, He's given me life for all eternity. For all eternity. What's your message? What's your story? That's your message. How has God shown His mercy to you? You know You know your story. Own it. Share it. Tell the world what Jesus means to you. Is it easy? Not necessarily. Are some people going to look at you like you're nuts? Yeah, probably. Do we care? Not really. Friends, we are the light in this world and we need to shine that light We need to share our message. We need to share our story. We don't do that just on Sunday, right? We do that every day of our lives. Let's pray. Father God, we bow before You and praise You. Lord, we thank You so much for for who You are and for what You've done. You are an amazing God. And you have done amazing things for each and every one of us. And we thank you so much for that. And Lord, we just pray that, that, that your spirit would, would fill us and, and that we would be compelled by your love and compelled by our gratitude to go out and share our story with anyone who will listen. May we love our neighbors the way you love us. May we share the gospel. And again, Lord, may we care for each other. Father, we ask for your power through the Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.